It's in moments like the one that we're in right now when we find out about great tragedy, when we hear of difficult circumstances, when we sense that it almost feels like evil is winning in the world. It's in moments like this that my faith in God grows. <clears throat> now you must understand that when we plan services, that when we, these things don't happen five minutes before uh, the service actually starts. This is a scripture, and this is a text that God chose for this congregation for this week, long before any of us knew what was happening. Long before we knew what was happening in California. Long before we knew what was happening with Shelley and Pedro. Because the fact is, God knows that every one of us, in every stage of life, whether we're young or old, whether we're rich or poor, whether we have a lot of hope or very little hope, God knows that every one of us will go through dark times of the soul. We'll go through moments where things don't seem to make sense. Moments where our hearts are breaking, our lives are filled with heaviness. Listen, God knows. And because he knows this, he's given us his word, his precious word. And God's word reminds us that because he knows that every one of us will go through these, that he's given us examples of how to go through life when life is falling apart. How to get through when it doesn't seem like you can get through. What do we do? As Christians, what answers do we have? Listen, if you're in Christ, today is a very important message for you. Because it's a reminder that Jesus is not absent, especially when suffering is present. It's a reminder that you are not alone in your difficulties. It's a reminder that God is with us, even when pain is there too. If you're not in Christ, this is an important message for you to hear. Because it's a reminder that life is going to come at a velocity that most of us wish it would not. At a speed and a pace with a, with a, with a kind of a pain that we don't know that we can handle. And in times like that, words of self-affirmation are not enough. Words of empowerment are not enough. Principles are not enough. There are moments in life where we need not principles, but we need power. Power from on high. Power from God. Power from the Holy Spirit. Power to endure. Power to go forward. Power to, re to remain confident that even though we feel out of control, God is not. Power to know this. Listen. God knows this about us. And whether you're in Christ 
or not in Christ, whether you're kicking the Christian tires, want nothing to do with Jesus, or are firmly rooted in the gospel of Christ, this message will be for you today. God shares with us a story, a Christmas story. A story of a man's life who falls apart. And he has nothing and no one to lean on. And then God shows up. I'm speaking about a character in scripture that is not given a whole lot of press time. A character in scripture who is almost forgotten, who literally does not speak one word. He never says a word, ever, in scripture. And yet is one of the most important figures in all of scripture. I'm talking about Joseph. Joseph never says one word. You only, when you read of Joseph, you only read what he was thinking. You never read what he says. You only read not only what, what he was thinking, but what he was doing. And his response to God, not in his words, but in his actions. We're going to find out that Joseph's life fell apart. Matthew tells us this and then reminds us that in these moments, God is there. Here's the lesson. Here's the lesson that I want you to know right now. I want you to know this lesson if you're sitting in this room or driving to a hospital or away from a funeral. Whether your health is grand or diminishing, here's the lesson that God wants us to know. When life is at its roughest, God is at his closest. That's what you need to know today. And that's what Joseph's life illustrates. When life is at its most ruthless, God is at his most nearness. When life is at its toughest, God is at his closest. We find Joseph's story in Matthew chapter 1. As you can imagine, Joseph is at a happy point in life. In just a little while, he's going to be married. She's young and she's beautiful. And he loves her. He can't wait. He's working hard to prepare and, and get ready all the things that one needs to get ready for a life of marriage and family. And then Mary comes up to him and says, the kind of words that you can't even imagine being prepared for. She says, I'm pregnant. And his head starts to spin. Now I know that in your colleges, your professors say, well, the reason that people believed in miracles back then is because they believed, um, they didn't have the science that we have today to explain away a lot of the natural phenomena that we would easily explain. But you're gonna see that Joseph's response, while we would not categorize it as scientific, we would categorize as knowing 
Everybody throughout time knows there's only one way to get pregnant. This is not a primitive man seeking, oh, a miraculous story for the unknown. This is a man whose heart is crushed and doesn't even know where to put his head. It's that story that we're going to read today. It's our tradition in our church to stand at the reading of God's word. Would you stand with me to read God's word? We're going to be reading verses 18 through 25. On count three. One, two, three. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in the dreams and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what was conceived in her is not the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Christmas season with your life turned upside down. Maybe, maybe some of you have experienced a death in the family that moments like Thanksgiving and Christmas, all the holidays, just they heighten the loss. Maybe some of you are experiencing great difficulty. Joseph experienced an unbelievably difficult time. The one he thought he would be with for the rest of his life, just let him know that she was unfaithful. It's the only way to interpret that kind of message. In the text it says, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. There was one aspect of Joseph that said, we, we need to have the law on this. If the, in Deuteronomy, it said that if you were unfaithful in such a relationship, that you were to be stoned. And even though the Romans had taken that right from them, it still was a possibility. And minimally, she would be shamed. She would walk. There's no man who would come anywhere near Mary. She would be disgraced her whole life. She was going to be the ridicule of the town for the rest of her life. 
Some of you grew up in neighborhoods where everybody knew what everybody did. Mm -hmm. And you know that some things that some people do 20 years ago, that still defines them. Mm -hmm. A much smaller town, in a much smaller city. Mary was going to have to bear the disgrace because there's nobody, and I mean nobody, who's going to believe her story. I mean, think about that. You're, Mary is young. They, they married fairly young in this culture. She's no, she's no older than 16. Can you imagine your 15-year-old daughter comes home and she says, Mama, Papa, two really big pieces of news that I got to tell you. One, I'm pregnant. But don't, it's from God. How, how, how receptive would you be to that confession? You go, no, 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 sweetie. I'm going to help you to see God now. <laughs> but that doesn't happen. There's only one way. There's only one way to get pregnant. It was an impossible piece of information to receive. Joseph took it the way everybody would take it. His head was spinning. His heart was broken. He had no idea what to do. And he had an option in front of him. One option was to let her experience the disgrace that she deserved. And the other was to just do it quietly. And even though she'll experience the disgrace because people are going to ask, hey, where's your husband? When they see her showing, he would at least lessen the blow. So he's praying. And those are the only two options he sees. And then God goes, no, you don't understand. When your head is spinning, when your heart is broken, when your life is out of control, there's a third way. It's not just the moral or the merciful. There's the miraculous. And in your suffering, believe me when I tell you, your response is not just moral or merciful. You have, as you walk in Christ, the miraculous with you is just what we were praying for Shelly and Pedro. We're praying for them. The world sees one thing. And we pray, pray, pray. Pray for the miraculous. Here's how it happened. But after he had considered, we're in verse 20 now. But after he had considered this, the moral and the merciful, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. There's this German scholar who um, has a great argument for this being the angel of the Lord. Whenever you see in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord, it really is uh, a theophany. It's, a, it's, it's God showing up. It's God showing up. And so he's, he says, no, this is, this is God coming. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, I love this. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Pause. Whenever you're going through difficult circumstances in life, when you're going through this Christmas season, 
and you're going through your depression, and you're going through your loss, and you're going through your heartache, I want you to know that God will show up. But one of the first things that he'll do is instruct you. He'll empower you to do this as well, but he'll instruct you. Take courage. Be courageous. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, that is not more true to anyone else in this room than it is for you. To receive Christ feels like an impossibility for you. What would your friends say? What would your family say? God says, listen, I don't want you to embrace the moral. I don't want you to embrace, embrace the merciful. I want you to embrace the miraculous. I want you to embrace Christ. Oh, but it's so hard for me to believe that he got up from the grave. It's my professor said this about the Bible. I saw on the History Channel and they said this. Listen to me. Take courage. Don't be a coward. Believe what's true. Amen. Believe what's true. He says, take courage. And then he tells him to do the impossible. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. And then he tells her what Mary just told him. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. You see? In Joseph's pain, God had something miraculous to give to the whole world. In Joseph's suffering, God had a gift to give all of mankind, but Joseph was going to have to walk through the suffering. And if you would have been in Joseph's life, and you would have been any of his friends, and even if you would have believed that in a dream, God came to him in the form of an angel and said, take on Mary. You said, why is God doing this? I don't understand. Why is this happening? This is too difficult for me to receive. Even if you didn't understand it, God would have been working out a miracle, not only in your own life to trust God, but working out in your pain to bless others. Many of you know this is true. You've gone through great suffering, great difficulties. Many of you have gone through great confusion. Some of you are in that confusion right now, and you're wondering, where is God? And God is saying, I am with you, I am for you, and I will use your suffering to bless the whole broken world. You gotta know, I know, but stay with us. Stay with us, it gets even better. All this took place, I love Matthew. Matthew's doing the work of three people. He's juggling a couple of things. Matthew's the one who's writing the story. And he's writing, he's just sharing the story, but he's also a teacher. And he's trying to help everybody understand what's going on. So Matthew, see this, in his first statement, verse 18, and then jump down, it's really connected to this statement here in verse 22. So I'll read verse 18, the first half of the statement, then jump down to 22. Here's how it would look. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. All this took place, verse 22, all this took place 
to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Look at me. Stuff of life catches you by surprise, and stuff of life catches me by surprise, but it never catches God by surprise. Never. There is no sweat on God's brow. God is not looking down on your situation or my situation and going, oh dear, what do I do now? God, that is not God's issue. God is looking down on your situation, your heartache, your difficult moment. He's looking down on it. And he says, this is not a surprise to me. And you go, but wait, if God knew about it, why didn't he just take it away? Joseph could have said the same exact thing and the whole world would have lost on salvation. Your pain is doing something. Your pain is producing something. And if you're in Christ, your pain will produce something that is, has eternal value. In Joseph's life, we see this. The virgin will conceive what God said through the prophet hundreds of years before it actually happened. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God. Everybody say this. God with us. He's with you. God is with us. That's why we call this brand new series Presence. Christmas is all about presence. But it's not the presence that we normally hear about in commercials. Christmas is all about God's presence with us during difficult and dark times. That when Herod wants to destroy all the babies, God is sending a savior. That when, listen, that when the whole world is dark and full of hopelessness, God sends the light of the world. Christmas is all about God seeing a broken world full of pain and full of tears and saying, I'm coming myself. Amen. And I will weep with those who weep. And I will mourn with those who mourn. And I will die in their place and I will rise from the dead for their hope and satisfaction. Christmas is all about presence. Because remember, when life is at its roughest. God is at his closest. He will be called Emmanuel. Now, for the theologians in the room, you know that this came from Isaiah, and that Isaiah is uh, in, in the immediate moment, the prophet tells the king, he says, ask God for a miracle so that he might prove to you that the two kingdoms that are threatening his kingdom are not going to be there much longer. And so the guy, Ahaz, goes, nah, man, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to test God on that, right? And it was, a, it was a condescending reply. This wasn't like a humble, oh, I'm not going to test God. God is good. He's holy. I trust him. This was a condescending, goes, listen, I'm not going to tell God. What, what am I going to tell God? Make blue red. Like, what am I, you know, it was a condescending response. And Isaiah, even though the response was condescending, still showed God's goodness. He showed God's goodness. And he said, so here's what's going to happen. There's going to be, and I love this about this. There's going to be an alma. 
Someone say Alma. Alma. Alma means young girl. Most of the time it means it can mean virgin, but most of the time it means young girl. He goes, there's going to be an Alma who's going to give birth, a young girl who's going to give birth, and that by the time that child has grown up to know what right or wrong is, those two kings, those two kingdoms are not going to be a threat to you anymore. Well, if you look at Isaiah, that's exactly what happened. There was a baby that was born, and before he was, uh, knew what right or wrong was, those two kingdoms were no longer a threat to Ahaz. So you go, how is this then a prophecy of that scripture? Well, you have to read on. You have to read on. Because in that scripture, it says, the Alma will give birth, and she will give birth, and it says, and we will call him Emmanuel. God with us. And he gives us all these wonderful names. Mighty God. All these wonderful names. And you go, wait up. And he will usher in the kingdom of God. And you go, wait up. The baby that was born didn't usher in the kingdom of God. So years later, there's this translation of the Hebrew Bible. It's called the Septuagint. Somebody say Septuagint. When the translators were translating Septuagint, they looked at this text and they said, there's more to this than just that kid being born and those two kingdoms being vanquished. This is messianic. And so what they did was when they translated Alma, which means young girl and can mean virgin, they translated the Greek word, they translated the Greek word into virgin. You know why? Because God had inspired them in the translation to know that there was something special about this text. And many, many years later, Matthew looks at his Septuagint Bible. He looks at it and he goes, there he is. There he is. Hundreds of years before he was born. There's the one who would be born by the Alma. There's the one who would be born not just by the young girl. There's the one who would be born by the virgin. God knew, and he sent his son. Then, I like this part, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Again, we never read one word that Joseph says. We only read what Joseph thought and what he did. And what he did was obey God. And in your dark moments, God's going to lead and direct and guide. And what you're going to need to do is to follow his lead. Whatever you do, don't follow, especially when you're in a dark time. Don't just follow your feelings. They might leave you in a darker place than you were. God is present with you. And he'll guide you. Follow his direction. So Joseph, you go, but wait up. I don't have what Joseph had. See, Joseph had like this miraculous dream and this vision and God showed up. And I, I tell you, if I had the miraculous dream and vision and God showed up, I would not be in the, I would not feel the difficulty that I'm feeling now. Listen, let me tell you what Joseph had. Joseph had nothing more than you and I have right now. Joseph had God at his word. That's it. Because I don't know about you, but give me a dream that my wife is pregnant when we didn't have sex. 
I tell you, that still doesn't go well, right? Because it wasn't the dream. It was the word mm -hmm. from God. You and I have the very same word of God. And we can trust that God is with us during the difficult moments of life. So Joseph does what God calls him to do. And you know what he does? He adopts Jesus. And in adopting Jesus, Jesus is then officially a part of the line of David. Because remember, the Messiah had to be from the line of David. And God goes, how, oh my gosh, wait. How is he from the line of David if Joseph is not his real father? Well, Joseph adopted him. And now he's in the line of David. See, God knew what was going to happen. And God could be trusted with Joseph's most difficult moment. Because God was telling Joseph to do a difficult thing. God was telling Joseph to be like Jesus before Joseph had an opportunity to see Jesus. What was God asking Joseph to do? God was asking Joseph to see that girl over there, Mary, the one that everybody's going to call whore for the rest of her life, the one that everybody's going to whisper behind her back. And if you don't believe that, later on in the Gospels, Jesus is having an argument with his enemies, the Pharisees, and Jesus is saying, God, isn't your fa uh, God is my father. Um, and they go, and they're trying to insult Jesus, and they dig as deep and as low as they can possibly deep, dig deep. You know what they say to him? Well, at least we know who our father is. Jesus is in his 30s, and that's still something that they bring up. Joseph knows that if he associates himself with Mary, you've seen this before, right? Married in January, birth in May. Hmm, I don't know if that was a white wedding for real. You've seen that happen. But in this, in this culture, this is far worse than it would be here in our culture. God was asking Joseph to be like Jesus. He was asking Joseph to take on the shame of Mary. He was asking Joseph to absorb the, what everybody else would have considered a sin. He was asking Joseph to take on the punishment and the ridicule. Just like his son. His son would be asked and would volunteer to not only see your sin and pain, not only to see your shame, but he says, I'll associate it. I'll associate myself with it. You go, but I feel confused. I, I, I'm so wounded. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the life I've lived. You don't know the lifestyle that I have. You don't know. And Jesus goes, I'll take on your sin, and I'll take on your shame, and I'll take on your loss, and I'll take on all the jeers. I'll take it all on and save you so that you might be spotless before God. This is good news. 
This is good news for us. Because when you and I are being accused by Satan, we can be reminded that Jesus took our shame. Joseph is like Jesus in that he took Mary's shame. So that means throughout this Christmas, when the kids aren't there, and the kids aren't there because it's your fault, and the kids aren't there because of what you did, and the kids aren't there because of your past decisions and experiences, and Satan goes, yeah, man, you see? You see what you did? You see what you did to your family? You're gonna go, wait, 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 wait. Not only do I see it, Jesus saw it and he took it on himself. And because of that, I can walk with freedom and freedom from shame. Because in my darkest moment, God is closest. In the times when I am all alone, God is still my pres in, in my presence. He's still with me. He's still for me. In moments during Christmas when you're feeling dark and depressed, you see, nobody loves you. You can pause and go, wait, 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 wait. There's one who loves me. One who doesn't just talk about loving me, but one who gave his life for me. Not only did he give his life for me, you go, yeah, but nobody loves me. You know how I know? Because nobody's here. Look, he's with you. Right? At that moment, when you think God is farthest, God is closest, he's with you. This is what Joseph's story is teaching us, that when life is at its roughest, God is at his closest. This is what God wants to teach all of us. Beloved, we're going to go through dark times. And I want you to know, that as Christians, we have a comfort that is found in Christ and nowhere else. God would not only take on our shame, but he would be with us intimately so that we would never have to suffer alone. Now, let me ask you this. Do you have the Christmas presence? Do you have the presence that that was given to us on Christmas Day? Is your life built on something other than Jesus? Let me tell you something. If your life is built on something other than Jesus, it will simply crumble. It will simply crumble. The worst thing that can happen is that your life be built on something other than Jesus, and then you get that thing. Because and then you find out that it's not enough. I'm telling you. Many of us think that money is, if we just had money, that would solve all of our problems. Believe me when I tell you, those with money would disagree with you. Many of us think, if I just got married, that would just solve all of my problems. Can I say this? <laughs> Many of us think that if we just, listen, if we just climbed the corporate ladder and got to that position in life, if we got into that college, if we established this financial mile marker, if we received this kind of accolade and 
from our peers that, yes, then we would be happy. I'm telling you, the gift of Christmas is God's presence. And it is the only thing that satisfies. And when life is going good, God rejoices with you. And when you're in the, and when you're in the delivery room of life, where the doctor comes back with the worst news you've ever heard in your whole life. And your head is spinning. And after a day of such great rejoicing, to find out the heartache that you would find out in less than 12 hours later. The money won't matter. The job won't matter. Marriages are wonderful, they won't matter. All that will matter is that God is with you and will comfort you during this time because when life is at its roughest, God is at his closest.